Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors help answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. And now, here is your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other stuff at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. Coasting with me, it's the Danger Pixie actual, <laughs> Melody Lauer. Hi. So is that actually a thing now? What? Danger Pixie Actual? Yeah. Well, it's my, it's now I have Instagram. It's official. Huh. I should get an Instagram. Oh, wait, I already have one. Ah. Yeah. Now I just haven't upgraded to the point where I'm changing my, like, Lima Tunes Facebook page to Danger Pixie. I don't, I don't think Facebook will let me do it. No, well. No. So they wouldn't even let me change it from Lima Tunes to Melody Lauer. Well, no, what, we'll talk about this off air. Anyway. Hey, guess what? What's that, John? This segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy. I know I do. You need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition. LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today. To check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. And remember, unless you're on fire or drowning, you can never really have too much ammo. So this is kind of weird for us because this is like an honest-to-God live show. I know. It's this been, is weird. It's been a minute. It's been a minute? Yeah. I, I guess think it's been since uh, 2017 at least. <laughs> since <laughs> That wasn't that long ago. It's three months. Yeah, you're right. We're in March. We are. Man, oh, just no. Like, I'm not I, ready to think about how I had a birthday a couple going. days ago. I mean, it's just weird. Yeah, I know. Time's already flying. I know you had a birthday. I'm Thank still you, Mario. Feeling the... Mar- the producer just uh, wished me a happy birthday. I'm still but... feeling the effects from your birthday party. Uh, you're lucky I've been working out. You would have been sleeping in my garage otherwise. Anyway. I probably wouldn't have minded. <laughs> no, you were. Anyway, <laughs> this is a really great segue to uh, to welcome. Tim Heron of the show. Tim, how's it going, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, I can't complain. Living the dream. And happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. It's a couple days late now, but that's okay. Yeah, I actually, I, I, it was nice. I changed my privacy setting on Facebook so, um, so that it wasn't just like, oh, all the people that I'm like acquaintances with but don't actually know me like felt obligated to wish me happy birthday. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, no, guys, you don't have exactly to. It's cool. So, but, uh. So yeah, man. Who uh, who are you? What do you do? And uh, let's talk about some shoosting stuff. Uh, well, I'm Tim Heron. Um, I am a USPSA uh, competition shooter, mm-hmm. uh, two division grandmaster. I've been shooting since 2010. Um, very fortunate to be sponsored by Federal Premium Ammunition, as well as uh, Atlas Gunworks and Red Hill Tactical, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I, I I just I shoot a lot. Yes. Yeah. 
That's basically all I do besides work a, a full-time job as a uh, as, as an automotive mechanic at a Honda dealership nice. here in uh, in Kansas City. Nice, so. man. So we're going to be talking about uh, performance plateaus, which is something I am very interested in. But I'm what I'm curious about, um, how did you get into shooting? Because, like, you've – this is not the first sport that you've competed in at a relatively high level, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, I spent uh, 13 years uh, – well, prior to 2010, I spent 13 years uh, racing cars uh, with uh, Sports Car Club of America, SCCA. Mm-hmm. And that kind of was just a I, – I worked uh, in an office environment with a guy that, that did a bunch of that, and it just it sounded cool. I thought, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give that a try. And it, it kind of turned out I was kind of good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Thirteen years later, I just—I've <laughs> done everything I think there was to do within that sport, you know, that I was willing to to put the effort into doing, and just kind of got burned out a little bit, and uh, went through some some pretty some pretty big life changes. Uh, became a single dad uh, with two two little ones at the time, um, and uh, had to make some moves, and uh, kind of moved me and the me and the kids into a, a place that. Yeah, well, I could afford that, uh, that probably wasn't in the best neighborhoods when I first started out on my own, and uh, I decided I wanted to to pick up a firearm for personal protection, and that's what kind of started this. Was now become a passion and and life, you know, a livelihood and lifestyle for me. So, well, so that's interesting. So you race cars, and then you ended up working on cars, and now you're shooting guns. Uh, but you're still working on cars. So are you going to get an industry job and then like become a professional yodeler or? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, I've kind of been, I think I'm kind of tiptoeing right now, like at the edge of, you know, either a, a window of opportunity open or trying to kick the whole door open, uh, in with, the, with the, in the firearms industry. So, yeah. um, I've been to SHOT Show a couple of years and I've made a, a lot of great connections, including you and, uh, and, uh, and Melody and, and Jack Jack and, and so many other people. Um, that I've gotten to meet through the firearms industry that uh, have really helped me out and kind of get me on my feet here too. Right. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, it hasn't progressed as fast as I wanted to as far as making it a career. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's well on my way. At the same time, it's kind of nice to to still be passionate about shooting right. and it not turn into a, a full-time job. Well, and that's, let me, let me tell you, um, the worst thing I ever did for enjoying shooting was making it an actual job, but, uh, but you know, I'm still incredibly lucky and I, I'm so thankful for all the people that I get to meet and talk to and places that I get to go that most people don't get to go. So I don't want to, I don't want like, you guys don't need to start playing the world's tiniest violin for me quite yet, but, um, so let's talk about, and we got about three minutes before we have to go to break. Um, but what? What to you is a performance plateau, and and what, why do they happen, and, and what do you do when you hit one? I guess. Uh, God, you know, like for me, I mean, as somebody that trains and practices all the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and for competition, I mean, I see I see training plateaus very regularly, um, you know, and it can be anything from just like not being able to, to nail another tenth of a second off my draw or, right. you know, a tenth of a second off a reload or I can't seem to get this drill, you know, narrowed down another two tenths of a second or, or something like that. So I think if you train with any regularity, training plateaus, I, I don't even, I don't even look at them as, you know, as like 
stigmas in your training or something that holds you back. They're just things that, that happen to everybody. You know, you, you shoot long enough and you train hard enough, you're going to run into them. Right. So, um, God, there's, there's different ways to surpass them. A lot of, a lot of times it's a mental thing. Other times it's, it's overwork. You know, sometimes it's good to just put the gun down, step away from the range, you know, take, take them, take a minute off, take a week off, take a month off. You know, I mean, it, it's bad to say that I guess sometimes, but honestly, you know, you, you can't overwork yourself. So when it seems like too that, um, and I'm, I'm certainly, I know I was guilty of this and I'm still guilty of this, but a lot of people overlook the mental aspect of getting good at this. Don't you think? And we got about 60 seconds left in this segment. Oh, I, I totally agree. Uh, the mental I think the mental game is probably, uh, you know, once you get the, once you get the basics and the fundamentals down, the mental game is ninety five percent of it. Mm-hmm. So, well, and do you think? Um, I, I was going to say, um, why do you think people don't realize that? Like in the in the forty seconds we have left, <laughs> I think a, a lot of people they just overlook it more so because they are so focused on a technique or so focused on, you know, like trying to, uh, well, that's it. They're focused on trying mm-hmm. instead of just letting things happen sometimes. Huh. So that's uh, all right. Cool. Well, we're talking with uh, grandmaster competitive shooter and all around nice guy, Tim Heron. <laughs> and, uh, and you guys are listening to ballistic radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Events, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Events, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. Legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the new EDC X9, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So, we're talking with Tim Heron. Um, and before the break, we were, we were sort of... Well, actually, we spent a lot of time introducing you and talking about, you know. How awesome Tim is and how wonderful Oh, come he on is. now. Now, Tim, so I will say this. Um, you Nicest are. Nicest guy ever. Yeah, you are actually kind of my hero um, just because you're way nicer than than I am. And, like, I, I've been trying very actively to be a better person for the last year or two. And it's like, it's nice when I run into people that are already there and I'm like, Oh, that's how I should be conducting myself. Um, and well, you, yeah. and, well, not only that, but you do things that are incredible, um, with a gun. So, I mean, you kind of said you're a, a two division grandmaster shooter, but you, you shoot mainly in single stack. Um, I do. Yeah, and you, so I'm, a, I'm kind of a 1911 specialist. So yeah. And you run actual 45, um, out I do. Of it. Uh, and you are, you are physically, uh, now, now, like as a human being, you are a giant, but physically you're I'm, melody I'm sized. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm five foot five and about 143 pounds. So five yeah, foot five, I'm, huh? Is that what we're saying yeah. on air? Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, hey, yeah. hey, you can, you can say whatever you want to say. Now what Pat Rogers would have called that was warrior sized. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Craig Douglas calls it fun size. 
Well, Craig Douglas is sort of perverted, though. So I mean, he gave me a fun size patch. I don't need to hear about you know. anyway. Um, so we were talking about um, performance plateaus and, and things like that before the break. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm really curious. Like, so you started shooting. You said after you got out of um, kind of like into kind of buying a gun for home defense. So when, mm-hmm. I guess, how long did it take you before you were, you know, you got into this, you got into shooting, I, I'm assuming you started, I guess, how did you go from, okay, now I have a gun to now I'm going to do this until I'm a grandmaster. And when did you kind of experience that first plateau? And when did you know, like, oh, here I am. And then how did you get out of it? Well, you know, I, I okay, so I started shooting in 2010. Um a week before... I hate you so much right <laughs> now. About a week before February. Uh, so much. And uh, I, I'm the type of person, I, I, I always have been, that if something interests me, I want to learn everything there is to know about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've never been the, the type of hobbyist that can just, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, guys at work always say, like, Tim's the type of guy that, you know, if... Uh, if if he learned to make a paper airplane within a month, he'd be teaching people how to make the best paper airplanes known to man. You know, and that's, that's just the kind of person I am. I, I just I, I become passionate about something that it's truly interesting. So shooting was, you know, it, it was extremely interesting. And I would go to the indoor range. Um, I took an NRA basic, uh, basic pistol class about, I don't know, a month after I started shooting. Um, I actually put off taking my CCW. Um, until I'd been shooting about a year and a half, two years, I just didn't feel comfortable, you know, or confident in myself and in my abilities to, to carry a gun until I, until I just built that confidence up. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, uh, you know, just indoor range shooting at a lane and it, it became just mundane and boring and monotonous. Um, it got in pretty good with a couple of the, the range officers there, one of them who actually shot some USPSA. And, uh, you know, I just asked him, like, man, what, what more can I do? And he actually kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to the sport. And, uh, yeah, my very first USPSA match was July of 2010. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> my very first match was a classifier match. So, like, a six-stage classifier. You know, I had no idea what classifications were and what divisions were. I just knew I had a 1911 and a and a gob of magazines, and that's what I was going to go shoot. So I, I classified right out of the gate as a C-class shooter, and I spent about, I don't know, six months to eight months or so um, just just progressing, you know, dry firing six days a week, seven days a week for sometimes 30 minutes to an hour to two hours at a time. So, wow. um, so you, classified as, uh, you classified as a C. And uh-huh. How'd that go? How'd the progression go for you? From C to um, GM. The for me, I, I went to, you know, I was a C for a few months and then uh, quite quickly progressed to a B-class shooter. And uh, I stayed as a kind of a perpetual B for a couple of years. Um, a, a lot of it for me was I, I just, you know, I mean, the, the, you know how the saying goes, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was living proof of it. You know, I thought, man, you know, I'm pretty good with my reloads and I can draw pretty well and I thought I could shoot and, and hit things pretty well, but I just I didn't know how to put things together to properly practice to to progress the way I wanted to progress. Um, so somewhere around 2012, I went to a Mike Seeklander class out in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma at U.S. Shooting Academy, 
and that was that was my first like real big formal uh, competition training, and it was eye opening. Um, more than anything, I learned everything that I was doing wrong and how to practice better to actually see progression. So, I mean, I was going to the point, going to the range and shooting three, four, five hundred rounds, you know, on a Saturday, thinking that that was practice, and instead it was just wasting ammo. You know, it was just putting holes in a in a backstop. So, um, and that was a big plateau for a long time. I wasted tons of ammunition, um, you know, trying to trying to get out of a rut that I just didn't even know I was in. What was there a was there a light bulb moment? What was the one thing that um you're like, here's how I'm doing this, here's the thing I changed. Oh my god, what just happened? Oh, for me, it was not overcomplicating my practice sessions. Um, I think far too often everybody goes to the range because they want to get better and you know, they, they bring a you know, a notebook as thick as a war and peace novel thinking that they've got to run every single drill within this notebook and they've got to, you know, they've got to expend 800 rounds of ammunition in order to get good. And the problem is, is it's overstimulation. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're so focused on just moving on from one drill to the next to say that they've done everything that they haven't spent an adequate amount of time actually purposefully practicing and focusing on, you know, on a drill or a subset of drills. So for me, it was, you know, I was going to the range and thinking like, oh man, I, you know, I shoot matches where I shoot multiple targets and I move and I run and I, I draw and I reload. And so I was setting up these huge elaborate stages to practice on. And the problem was, is if I made a mistake at the beginning of the practice stage, by the end of it, I didn't know where I made the mistake. I didn't know how to correct it because I had overstimulated myself with so many other things above and beyond. Mm-hmm. So learning to simplify things, you know, um, I don't practice now with anything more than about three to uh, four targets tops if I'm working things like transitions or multiple target arrays. Um, for, for all intents and purposes, I can go to an indoor range or my outdoor range and shoot on two targets and get just about everything I could possibly want out of a practice session, a good, truly focused, purposeful practice session in two targets. So do you think that, do you think if you were going to build like a comprehensive um, routine, we got about two minutes, but um, do you think it would be intelligent instead of trying to jam everything in, um, at once to just focus on one specific or maybe two specific skills for a range Absolutely. session. And then like maybe on Wednesday I work on a different thing and like do it like that. Absolutely. Um, for me, I made the biggest progressions and see the, the least amount of, of plateaus or, you know, or ceilings in my training by, by using, by, by utilizing almost like a split routine, just like, you know, like a bodybuilder or a weightlifter would, you know, in, in like a, in a gym or a workout session. You know, so Mondays, I'll, you know, I might break things down, you know, well, I'm going to work, uh, I'll work draws and transitions, you know, and on Tuesdays, I'll dry fire and I'll dry fire reloads and let's say, um, you know, stepping draws or a little bit of movement. And on Wednesdays, I'll head to the range and I will focus solely on, uh, you know, accuracy. And so I'll shoot groups. I'll shoot accuracy drills. I won't shoot a target that is closer than 15 to 18 yards away, you know, um, 
Thursdays or Fridays, you know, like I'll, I'll dry fire maybe draws and like weird start positions, whether it might be, you know, picking a gun up off a table or draws and reloads to strong hand or weak hand, those kind of things. And on Fridays, I might go to the range again and I'll work on movement, entries, exits, into and out of positions, uh, multiple targets, shooting on the move, those kind of things. So I always, the, the biggest thing is having a plan and sticking to that plan, not, not kind of running off the rails and, you know, like, well, I'm just, I, I don't even know what to do when I go to the range today. So I'm just going to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The well, problem is, is it's unfocused training. Well, let me interrupt because we got to go to break. We're talking with Tim Heron. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it. And that's where Surefire comes in. From the new 1200 lumen EDCL 2T handheld or 500 lumen EDCL 1T handheld to the 1000 lumen XH35 or 300 lumen XC1B, Surefire can make sure you never have to yell Aziz light ever again. Now, with more lumens and improved switching, the best just got brighter. Surefire. And as a special offer to Ballistic Radio listeners, you can get 20% off everything at the Surefire.com web store, except batteries and suppressors, by entering the discount code AZIZLIGHT, A-Z-I-Z-L-I-G-H-T, no space. And yeah, 20% off. And if you don't get that reference, you really need to watch Fifth Element. You know how else you can know your target? Hmm. By tripping over it in the dark. Yeah, that's if you don't That's if buy you don't Surefire. have a light. And if you do that at a low light class, when you have a flashlight in each hand, people laugh at you. Yeah, well, remind me about the story I have of being at Amos with Craig. One of the other dudes was like, was doing a technique and um, didn't have the light on and stepped on a rake. <gasps> that was on. The, yeah, it, <laughs> Did legit, it legit. Yeah, oh, amazing. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking with Tim Heron, and you were talking about how important it is to have like a focused practice plan and and yeah. and. Like really working at it, and now so what you've bought yourself is a conversation. Once we're done with the show, um, okay. Ta- Taccon is like <laughs> two weeks away, it's and like, Tim, can you set me out with a workout program? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so here's the thing, man. Like I've I've been second place loser two years in a row. Oh, here we go again. Which for me is you know I'm. I'm not happy with that, but I'm not unhappy with that. But this year, dude, I'm I'm shooting against Gabe White and Ernest Langdon and Kirk, uh, who has beat me two years in a row, and Spencer's healthy right now. So, like, (laughs) I'm like... We're so sorry you're healthy right now, Spencer. No, I'm happy he's healthy. I just wish that, like, he took an interest in knitting rather than shooting, right? Because, you know, I was okay with second place loser, but, like, you know, fifth fourth place, fifth no, place? fourth or fifth place. And I'm going to be like John Hearn and no one wants oh. to be like that. So oh. you wow. went there, dude. I, I beat him two years in a row. So. Now I need to call John Hearn and be like, I apologize in advance. No, he'll, he listens to the show. So this will be great. So oh. like, I, I'm going to talk to you about that. But what, what do you suggest for, um, for folks that are, are wanting to improve? And I mean, I know that you shoot competition, but I, and I've always been very vocal about saying, I think there's an, an amazing amount of crossover between competition shooting and self-defense shooting. Um, There definitely is. Uh, Shooting is shooting. At the end of the day, it's sights and trigger. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's two things. That's all it is. 
I don't care if you're, you know, if your focus happens to be in competition or your focus is on defensive shooting, shooting is shooting. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, it's grip the handgun, see the sights, press the trigger without disturbing the sights, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so, why do a you, lot of crazy stuff thrown in. in the yeah. Right. Why do you think people <laughs> conflate that so much? I think that I, I think people want to see differences, even though there aren't differences. Uh, and I think a lot of times people use it as excuses to not put in the work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a lot of times defensive guys, and I'm not, please do not think that I'm harping anywhere about defensive guys. Some of my closest, you know, and best friends in the industry and in shooting period are are actually not competition shooters. Um, but I mean, even they would tell you. I think the guys that make excuses or look for for ways to to separate competition from from defensive shooting are simply the, the guys that are just they're, they're looking for excuses as to why they don't put in the work and why they don't progress themselves. Yeah. So, and I don't I don't agree with it. I think anybody can get good at, at at shooting. It's just a matter of what what level of work do you want to put into it? Right. Well, yeah. and somebody and I can't remember which guest it was, which I I feel horrible about, but somebody mentioned. Um, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Tom Givens when he was on that. And I agree with this. There is no one that can reputably speak to shooting at a high level that says that competition doesn't have value for a defensive shooter, you know? Um, so, and I think most of the people that make that argument, um, and I've seen you get into arguments and, and hell I've gotten into arguments with people too. I mean, and I, I do not shoot to the level that you shoot. Um, but I'm, I'm not horrible. And, uh, not uh, people, you know, people will say things and I'm like, yeah, that's not how any of this works. You know, I love it when people see like Tim doing like a sub second draw to shot at, you know, like seven plus yards. And they're like, yeah, but do that from concealment. It's like, oh, it's going to add what? A quarter of a second? It doesn't add a quarter of a second. For, I've seen Tim <laughs> yeah, do it for It really doesn't. But yeah. it's just, it's just funny how they there's that, that discussion, yeah. Yeah, you were saying you don't practice concealment nearly enough. And like when I, I saw I you doing concealment stuff, it was like maybe an extra tenth, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I posted a, a video, I think. Uh, God, what, what did I post that at? I think it may have been just on my Facebook page. Yeah. Um, playing around with my everyday carry J-frame. You know, and uh, it was like a, a draw two rounds in uh, in one target and it, with a transition to two rounds in another target. And I, it was still, I think, sub two seconds or like 2.2 maybe. Right. Um, you know, with, with a J-frame from concealment. So, I mean, I, I can play that game too. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, what I what I primarily practice and train for is, is a competition. So, uh, uh, you know, an open-top kite-edge holster you know, multiple mag pouches and, and trying to, trying to play a game. But it doesn't mean that I, I can't play the game in real life. I don't think either. Yeah. Well, so, so, I mean, in, in the, the tactics side and the, the real world incident side is, is more of what I study and focus on. And, um, (laughs) once the gun's out, it's pretty much the same. The only differences are maybe, and this is very arguable, um, decision-making process that goes into deciding whether or not, you know, a target needs to be shot or doesn't need to be shot. And then you could, then you could argue that, well, 
you know, if there's novel stimuli, is that going to slow you down and stuff like that? And while that's all true, and it is true, and I, I know for a mm -hmm. fact that I could show you something blind and you would run it slower than um, you would getting a stage plan or whatever, but it does not change that someone that is mechanically able to draw the gun and hit a 3 by 5 card at 0 0.82, well, okay, <laughs> let's, let's say it slows him down. Okay, it slows him down a, you know, three-tenths of a second, four-tenths of a second. It slows you down just that much, if not more, you mm -hmm. know? So there's no, there's no planet where, like, oh, he can do it from competition. I'm like, bro, bro, just, mm, you know? <laughs> just just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Yeah, right? Um, right. So. Well, I have a question going back to kind of what we were talking about before is the, the plateauing and the work and, and things like that. You said something very interesting. You said, you know, when you started practicing before, you'd you'd run a stage or something, and then you knew that you did something wrong, but you weren't necessarily sure where in that you did wrong. And mm -hmm. um, so I've been reading one of the books that has been recommended, The Talent Code. I haven't gone all the way through it. And about the importance of when you mess up, stopping immediately and mm -hmm. regrouping and trying again, like as soon as you mess up. And I'm curious if that's something that you have found, um, if you practice that at all, um, you know, like when you mess up, like where do you stop? Like, do you start right then? Or, and how do you kind of like correct yourself? Well, you know, that's, that's a very good question. Um, in practice, I do, you know, I, I do accept a certain amount of, uh, you know, like mulligans. You know, mm -hmm. so if I if I get a bad grip on the gun out of the holster, or you know, I I misstep, you know, working on let's say position entries and exits or something like that, you know, those are, those are things that I will stop immediately and I want to iron them out. So you know, I might go back and and do it in slow motion four or five times, you know, just in in dry fire or ingrain that that physical movement, um, you know, until it, everything feels well, and then I'll you know, turn the timer back on and we'll pick up the pace and, and pick up where we left off. Now, there are other times if I'm focused more on like, like stage style or, you know, what I consider match mode type of shooting, then I have to be willing to, in, in order to, to ingrain a certain amount of pressure in your practice, I have to be willing to know that not everything's going to be perfect and how am I going to how am I going to perform or execute when things don't go perfect? You mm -hmm. know, because in a, in a competition setting or heck, even in a real life setting, you know, you're, you know, clearing the, clearing your cover garment to get to the gun may not always be an absolutely 100% perfect grip. And you can't stop and say, hang on, let me do this over again. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't have that. You, you don't have that. So, you know, that's for me is, it helps in practice when I want to practice things in more of a match mode type of setting to, I have to be willing to accept mistakes and work around those mistakes to keep that, to keep the pressure on myself to learn how to execute and, and perform under pressure. So when so, you're in like practice mode, you stop yourself mm -hmm. as soon as you've made a, a mistake and you correct it. You know, like, like you said, but in match technique. mode, you're like, Nope, we just gotta, we gotta take it and fly with it. Exactly. Well, and it's interesting. And, 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 oh, so go ahead. No, well, that's the thing. You want to see, I want to see just how far I can go. You mm -hmm. know, like if, if, if I'm running around with a bad grip or I dropped the magazine out of the gun too early or things like that, I need to focus on two things. You know, I need to get back on my initial plan and mm -hmm. which 
means you've got to work under, uh, you know, uh, you have to work under even more pressure and then not overpressure yourself to think that I need to like make up time or, you know, I have to catch up. Once the time's gone, the time's gone. You know, once the mistake is made, it needs to be made and, and left there. It, it doesn't need to be a mistake that, you know, I try to tell students all the time, like, it's not a mistake you carry on the course with you everywhere else. You know, if I make a mistake at point A, I don't want to carry that mistake to point B and point C and point D. You know, I want to leave it at point A, just get back on my game plan and move on from it. Right. So, and, and the thing can be said for just in your practices as well. Huh. You know, not everything is going to be perfect, but you have to be willing to know how to execute when stuff just doesn't go perfect. Well, hold that thought because we got to go to break. Right now we're talking with Tim Heron. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. So we're listening to a Coheed and Cambria song because I like them. Welcome home, for anyone who wants to know. You know what's funny is how many times I get people to say, hey, what song did you play during the break? We should make a playlist sometime. We, yeah, we actually have had uh, several people ask that. Like, yeah. hey, can we, get, can we get like a playlist? Huh. I love the playlist. Hey, I'll make you a mixtape whenever you want. Oh, wow. Yes. It just got 1990s up in here. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I am now officially middle-aged. No, you are not. Am I not? Oh, my <laughs> word. Seriously? Well, if I live to be 70 years old, then actually I am exactly at... I am judging you so hard right now. Get off my you're lawn! The, you're the halfway point? Yeah, I mean, and honestly, 70 for the way I treat myself seems, oh, pro- seems yeah, kind of like a stretch. You know you're probably over halfway now. Wow. So. Holy cow. You'd be ancient. Oh. At 70? Man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so before the break, we were, uh, we were talking about um, some stuff, and Melody actually brought something up, but she was uh, – she was reminded of a, a quote, and I actually remember the exact quote. So, but it, uh, we were at a low light class with Chase Jenkins, and he said that, um, you know, everyone thinks that you kind of have to do stuff perfect, and that's not how any of this works. It's whoever makes the fewest amount of mistakes over the most compressed time period wins. I mean, Correct. and that that holds true for pretty much anything, don't you think? Absolutely. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, go ahead. One of the points I wanted to get back to, I know Melody was kind of asking, you know, about stopping, like, as soon as a mistake is made, or how I kind of broke over the plateau of, of over, overstimulating my training. You know, I, I, too much going on at once and not enough, not enough focus on the key points. So keeping your training, you know, keeping, a, keeping your training regimented to where, you know, it's, it's, it's two to three targets, and we're going to focus on just one or two key things to, to focus on. If I make a mistake, it allows me to be able to work through that mistake so that I can keep, I can keep the pressure on myself to work through the pressure. But at the same time, I'm not overworking past that mistake so much that by the time I'm done, done executing whatever it is I'm executing in my practice that I can't go back and go, hmm, okay, now I know I made a mistake, but where? I know exactly where I made a mistake. Like, oh, okay, the draw was good. But my reload after target two was bad. Let's go back and revisit that. You know, so right. I allow myself to make the mistake and work through the mistake, but not so much that 
it was so far down the line that I couldn't go back and revisit exactly what I made the mistake and why right. and then how to correct it. So, and I think that's where a lot of people, a lot of training plateaus come from is it people overstimulate themselves. They, they go to the range and they want to work on 150,000 things instead of working on like what you and I talked about just a little bit ago. It's, you know, pick, pick three things and focus all of your, all of your, uh, put all your models on that, you know? So if you're going to work on drills, pick two or three drills and shoot those two or three drills. 10 times a piece instead of once or twice while you work on a hundred drills. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think sometimes people just don't know how to slow themselves down if they come across that thing, you know, like um, you were talking about your draw stroke. Um, if you get like mm -hmm. a bad grip or something mm -hmm. and when you're in practice mode, when you get that bad grip, they'll just be like, Oh, well I'm just dry firing. And so I'll, keep my bad grip and I'll throw it out there and I'll press the trigger and look at me, I'm practicing. And they're so concerned. on I just want to keep this pace up that they don't stop and go, you know what? This has been like, enough. yeah, this has been like my second or third time drawing the gun. That's kind of been janky. Maybe I just need mm -hmm. to, like you said, slow down a little bit, do some ultra slow motion draws, making sure I'm getting the perfect grip every time you know, and work that for possibly not even very long, maybe five, 10 minutes before you put it back on the timer. And, but just to take those little moments of like self-reflection and go, I got to slow down here. Precisely. When, when you are allowing the timer to dictate everything, that's as bad as not putting yourself under time constraints to dictate things too. You know, sometimes people can focus too much on, on trying to break some time barrier that they don't, they, don't, uh, they don't concentrate on good technique and they allow fundamentals to slip at the expense of speed. And, you know, there's a fine line there. It just, it's kind of like a, well, just in competition itself too. You know, it's, it's accuracy, speed, and power, you know, and it's a, it's a combination of those three together. You know, you, if you're if you're highly accurate, you're probably not going to be as fast as you need to be. And if you're extremely fast, you're probably not as accurate as you need to be. So you, it's it's being able to find a balance between the two, you know. And you can still push that envelope and be changing exactly. that balance. And that's what I think some people don't get too is is the ability to change the balance between what is mm -hmm. possible. Well, I'll tell you what's been really interesting for me is I've been shooting a uh, a dot gun um, for four months now and Scott Jedlinski said something that when he said it, I didn't really get it. Now that I'm playing with it more, I understand better, but he's like, um, you know, a, a dot gun is kind of like a high performance car. It's, it's really easy to wreck, but when you're driving it well, um, you can do stuff that you can't normally do. It's extremely rewarding. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting though, because I'm much more aware visually of my mistakes now, and that's been harder to sort of like fit into things. We got about three minutes left in the show, but like, how important do you think it is for people to really be able to recognize what they're doing? Uh, it's that's well, you know, how we talked about the, the mental aspect of things. That's a huge part of it. Is 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 staying mentally engaged or focused enough in yourself and in what you're doing? 
to be able to self-diagnose. And a lot of that comes with getting getting training, working with somebody that's better than you. I mean, it doesn't necessarily – I would love for everybody to, to come and take a class from me or take a class from you or to take a class from, you know, guys like Tom Givens or, you know, Steve Fisher or Scott Jedlinski or, or any of the multitude of great instructors out there. A lot of people don't have, don't have that opportunity, you know, financially or, or time-wise, but then they can find some guy at the range that might just be a little bit better than them that – can it still steer them in the right direction, you know? And I, I think it's huge just to be able to learn how to diagnose mistakes. And, and when you see things, to know what to do with it when you see it. You know, I think, I think so, so easily it is to overlook, overlook things just because, again, you don't, you don't know. Right. You know? Um, if I ever hit the lottery, the first thing that I am doing is paying Kirk uh, to move close to me so that that we can shoot together because he, he's better than I am. He's like 15, 20% better than I am. And I, that would be amazing. I'm paying for Tim to come and move by me because I could fit him like in a small room in my house. Well, all the rooms in your house are small. That is so, hey, hey, Tim, if we're, if people want to like, um, watch your videos or come take a class with you or learn more about mm -hmm. your sponsors and how they help you out, how can, What's the best way for them to look you up? Honestly, the best way to look me up is on Facebook. I've got a couple of pages. My own personal page is just it's me, Tim Heron. And then uh, I've got, a, an, like a, I guess, an athlete page uh, called Tim Heron Shooting. Mm -hmm. And then I also have uh, an Instagram. It's Tim Heron Shooting as well. And then uh, I've got a YouTube channel under the same name. So and I, I try to put some stuff on YouTube. I'm not always... <laughs> I'm not always the, the quickest to get everything posted up on YouTube. A lot of times I end up posting things on, on Facebook, you know, on that social media platform, probably more so. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and the uh, best way to, to, to get a hold of me the same way is just through, you know, send me a private message through Facebook or just, uh, you know, message. Let me know you're interested in having me come out and do a class or one-on-one or -on -one training too. I offer all that. So Nice. Nice. Um, hey, dude, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Um, oh. it, it was an honor to have you, and I always, always love talking to you and watching you shoot. Um, right, you, right. you are super impressive and, and uh, literally an inspiration to me, and I don't say that lightly, so thanks, dude. I'm, I'm honored. I, I truly am. All right, Thank you man. so much, guys. Hey, be safe, brother. I'll talk to you later. You too. Hey, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And hey, keep leaving those five-star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week.